Alrighty, welcome back again, gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Listen Up podcast. Uh, we have the commissioner with us on here today, and we have Lupe joining us. Uh, thank you for listening. I, I know it's kind of been a, a bit of a learning process for all of us, and I appreciate you giving us your earbuds to listen to. And Sean, you always have good notes, so I, I appreciate all the notes you have for our podcast. But uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast, guys. Lupe, how you doing? Good time having doing well, you. Doing well. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's, it's a there's always, it's always been a fun idea for me to do. Um, I know friends and I, we've always talked about it. We just never got around to it. So it should be fun. Awesome. I'm glad you could have it on there. And Kamish, how, uh, how are you doing this week? Uh, same old stuff. Just hanging in there. Uh, looking forward to another uh, fantasy basketball week. And uh, hopefully uh, the baseball, baseball info starts to ramp up a little bit. Uh, I know uh, pitchers and catchers reported last week, full teams, a uh, couple – uh, full team squads got going today, so uh, baseball season's right around the corner. When is uh, spring training slated to start? Are they delayed at all, or are they kind of going with the natural timeline? No, it's a uh, same uh, same timeline. I think there's uh, there's games that have already started. I know a few teams have played like some college teams, um, but I think in about a week or so they're actually starting games. So uh, it'll ramp up pretty quickly from there. Nice. I, I always love the sound of the playing catch and the wood bats hitting the ball. I feel like that's always my like beginning of baseball season. It's like, okay, I'm ready for it now. Um, now other, other little things, Jones, you were cooking up some good ribs yesterday. How'd, uh, how'd those turn out? Uh, they were okay. That was my first, uh, my first real crack at them. Sam bought me this smoker. I shit you not. She bought the smoker for us for our one year wedding anniversary. And we're um, on year. What did you ask uh, for? Yeah, I asked for it. Yeah, I asked for it. It was uh, it was something that I wanted, and so she bought it for me. And I opened the box uh, about a month ago. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, I did a tri tip last week, and then did some ribs this week. Uh, ribs turned out okay. Um, I think I feel like I kind of rushed them. Um, um, I think they needed a little bit more time, but they were still pretty damn good. It's also I, I, in in the little bit of smoking I've done smoking in the wintertime is tough just because it stays so cold outside. And when you really need to keep that heat at a consistent level, I struggled keeping my temperatures up whenever I've done ribs and briskets and things like that. So I, I applaud your ambitiousness going for it. Uh, Lupe, how would, uh, did you get anything, get into anything fun this weekend? Uh, no, I just, I just got back to work. I've been uh, back to work for a week now. So my sleep schedule has been crazy. 7 PM, 3 AM. So that's about it. That's really all I've been doing. Oh, it's 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. 3 a.m., yes. So I misread that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, if, if I were today, I'd be asleep right now. I'd be asleep right now. Yes. No. Do you and Kenny work together with all these other guys in the league? No, we used to. We worked oh, together okay. for a good yes. seven years or so. Yeah. I've been, I work in Sacramento now, Lotus. I've been there for about three years now. Where's that and at? It's the same company. It's the same company. It's just uh, it's just different card rooms. So it's the same owner. Oh, okay. But it's two separate locations. So we used to work together. Um, and probably worked together for five or six years, and then Lupe oh moved God. to uh, a different location. I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, something. Three years maybe ago, yeah. yeah. South Sacramento, off of Stockton Boulevard. Yeah. Oh, like Forty Seventh is like, or like from. That's the okay. exit I would take coming from Lodi. The, but, uh, like, what do they call that area? Uh, like little little vietnam little or something, saigon or something. little saigon oh yeah little saigon yeah little saigon. yeah i'm just on the opposite side of the highway for that yeah that's cool yeah so how, how long you been in that industry 
Me, I've been doing it since 2009. Oh, wow. I started playing poker uh, a long time ago, liked it, um, went to school for it. I actually dealt at the World Series of Poker in 2009. And then uh, when I came back, I started working at Lodi not too long after that. No, no thanks shit. To Tom, no thanks to him. <laughs> so how, how was dealing at the World Series of Poker? Tell me about that. You know what? It was fun. I mean, for a guy that likes poker, played it a lot. Uh, knew a lot about the players. I mean, dealing to some of those guys, Helmuth, um, Daniel Negron, a lot of those guys. It was it was fun. It was a good time. Fanboy a little bit? Uh, for sure. For sure. Back <laughs> for sure. Now, wh- where was the – was this in Vegas? In Vegas, the Rio. Yeah, 2009. How do you get selected to do that? Is it just a random drawing or do you sign up? How does that work? Well, through the dealer school that I went to, they had a program where – I mean, because uh, – the World Series, they're, I mean, they hire, what, a thousand dealers? I mean, they, for, for the most part, they'll take almost anybody that they can get. You know, because 24-7 for, you know, two and a half months, three months. Yeah. So they can hire, they'll hire almost anyone. And so the dealer school that I went to had a program. And if you want to go, you can go. You have to pay your own way to get over there, your own living expenses. But, but yeah. So you were out there for three months? Yeah. Wow. And were, were they paying you or was this on your own dime? Yeah, same as any other job, you know, minimum wage plus tips. Hmm? That's uh, awesome. I'll, I'll, one day I'll deal all tournaments. The next day I'll deal all cash games, just wherever they put you, wherever they put you. That's pretty cool. So this school that you went to, I've never even heard of this. How, how, how long was that? How did that work? You know, I don't even know if it's around there anymore. I don't even remember what it's called, but it was, a, I think it was called ABC Dealing School. It was off of Bradshaw in Sacramento. Or maybe Folsom Boulevard. It was a pretty pretty popular school. I know a lot of people went to it from Lodi, Kenny. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if it's still around or not. I'm not sure. Fascinating. I never knew anything like that was a was a thing. And this is kind of why I wanted to do this podcast. Was I just love hearing about all this kind of stuff and 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 learning about that. So, what what, what do you learn while at this school with in, in terms of like dealing and things like that? I mean, they'll teach you the ins and outs of the games, you know, from a, I, I, I signed up for poker, uh, blackjack, never learned blackjack because I didn't care. I, I was learning for the poker. They said they gave me a deal, uh, 500 for blackjack and poker, but I just stuck to poker only. Uh, but I mean, they'll, they'll teach you craps, uh, payel, uh, an assortment of different games that you can learn. Wow. That's, uh, that's awesome. I've never, cool. Uh, Kenny, did you go to a school like that or classes like that? No. No, I didn't. I, I took a little bit different path because I, I, the way I cracked into the industry was actually as like um, my first job was with, uh, with like the parent company that owns these rooms that we that Lupe and I work for now. Um, my first job with them was called a spotter, which is basically I was like a secret chopper where I would go, I would go into a bunch of different casinos and kind of write like secret chopper reports on uh on the dealers the supervisors uh the third party bankers just kind of that's how i got into it so i had to i had to learn the basics of the games for that and so that's kind of how that was kind of like my my dealer school um so i kind of learned games that way and then um and then when that program got shut down um i was offered a dealing position at lodi and that's how that's where that all that all started I actually, it's funny you mentioned your your secret shopper kind of thing. Because I, I remember when you were down in San Diego visiting at some point, you would go off and go, go to work and you, you'd go to a casino, check some stuff out and come back. And it was like, well, I'm on vacation, but I made some money. We're good to go. 
Yeah, the place the place I would go to down in San Diego was uh, the Lucky Lady, which is not the Lucky Lady that's in that is affiliated with uh, with uh, Larry Flint and the Hustler, because there's a Lucky Lady in Los Angeles. But uh, it was just a small card room down in like. Was that off Rosecrans? Uh, it was in La Mesa. I I don't remember oh. exactly where it was, but um, but it was it was fairly close to San Diego State uh, campus. Um, but yeah, yeah I, used to I, re- go there every I remember you'd go there and then we'd go on to Mary Jane's for breakfast down at the, was that the Hard Rock Hotel? Yeah. Yeah. That. that was, those are some good times. Um, so let, speaking of cards, this kind of helps us move on to our, our main, our first topic is the, uh, these new, what is it? Top box, I believe they're called. No, top uh, shot. Top shot. I apologize. <laughs> but the, <laughs> There's no boxes involved. Yeah, but the NBA Top Shot, uh, which is going on. Lupe, did you ever collect cards as a kid? I did. I did. I was a big basketball fan. I had a whole binder full of them, but just in the process of growing up, moving from here to there, who knows where they're at now. Now, how old are you, Lupe, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 36. 36. Okay. We're all about the same age. Yeah, we we all kind of grew up with the same things. Yeah, I, I listened to this on a podcast with uh, Pablo Torre and Brian Winhurst the other day about how they're getting now these digital, you basically get your wallet. Actually, I, I found a great, here, I'm going to read this. In the basic sense, Top Shot is like a trading card. It's users buy, sell, and trade video clips of players called moments. They can be bought in packs and, and opened starting at $9.00 just like traditional trading cards where the contestants or the contents are a surprise, or they can be bought individually in a wide range of specialty collections aimed to create ex- exclusivity. The collectibles are then stored in virtual wallets. So yeah, so I think it's basically a digital card, but with a clip on it. And I think this, I think the three of us are going to show our age here where I just don't get it. I'm perfectly happy going on the ESPN app and finding a highlight of Zion making a dunk. I don't need to spend. I mean, they were saying on here that a guy spent $100,000 to buy a 13-second Zion Williamson highlight. I just cannot wrap my head around that. Um, I remember as kids, like when we got 20 bucks, you know, with Kenny and I, it was like, oh, my God, I can get a couple cards here. But $20 is a hell of a lot different than $100,000. Uh, Kenny, what, what, what do you what do you think about these things? It's weird. It's kind of like uh, I kind of like equate it to like, like Bitcoin, where it's like this like manufactured kind of thing on the internet, and nobody really knows if it exists or not. But people buy it up, and value goes up, and it's like I don't know. It just it seems really weird um, that there's like this new this new market for. Uh, for videos and it's like all stuff that you can just find if you just search for it you can find these same clips but yet people are people are able to own that same clip i i don't know just it, it seems it seems really weird yeah no i i don't understand that as well but and and i think to kind of even compare it back to our day on the flip side like we all collected baseball and basketball cards but was there any difference in just printing up that picture on a sheet of binder paper? Like suddenly the card has more value, but the sheet of binder paper is still two cents. Um, Lupe, what do you think about all this? I mean, I think it's a little crazy. You know, just, uh, <laughs> just like I uh, listened to the same thing that you sent us yesterday uh, with Brian Winhorst in a, 
yeah, for a guy to pay $100,000 for a 13-second clip and just to hope that it's going to get more valuable, you know, within a year or two years, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's definitely way over my head for sure. <laughs> you know, I like to gamble just as much as the next guy, but, but that's a lot. That's, that's a lot to hope for. Yeah, it's I, I I'm not now. I will admit I, after listening to the po- after listening to that podcast, I promptly went on there and was very curious about buying a nine dollar pack. Every pack they had for sale was sold out, oh, wow. so the demand is there. And I think they even made a comment that this Windhorse started working on this story two and a half three weeks ago, and they were estimating about fifty million dollars in the marketplace. And then as of three days ago, when the podcast came out, there was seventy three million dollars in the marketplace. So it is growing at an exponential rate right now. I just can't quite, you know, wrap my head around it. I, I don't know if I could justify spending that much money. I mean, $100,000—that's a third of a house, a quarter of a house on a 13-second clip. Mm-hmm. It just—it's a—it's a bit beyond me. Um, now, as kids, I think you know, like you said, we're all the same age. Uh, what what cars did you grow up collecting, Lupe? I got a little bit of all of them. You know, the the—I mean, what are they called? The Fleer, upper yep. deck. I mean, I you know whatever. I mean, like I just like sports in general. You know, just whatever I can get my hands on and just hold on to them just to have a collection of it. Do you still have any? No. I mean, even now, I mean, now I don't have any more cars, but I have a collection of King stuff that I couldn't even begin to explain why I have it, but I do. <laughs> any of it valuable? Not that I, I mean, no. I mean, if, if I go in there and look, there might be something worth a little bit of money, but nothing crazy. No. M- more sentimental than monetary. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a little bit, you know, but yeah. More, it's more sentimental than anything else. Awesome, uh, Jones. You got you. What, what do you have? Well, I was big and I was a big Griffey fan, so I used to. Ha- I had like a had probably a dozen sheets of uh, of Griffey cards, and I would try to collect as many like Bulls cards as when I was younger. Um, the, the when I kind of got, you know, I was twelve years old, thirteen years old, or whatever. I felt like I was getting serious. Every dollar that I had. I would go buy a pack of, this is in 1998, so I was 12 years old, or maybe 11 or 12 years old. Um, I bought the, uh, the 1998 Ultra Fleer uh, football cards, and I have the entire set. I still have the entire set, um, and I have, like, duplicates of basically every card. Um, but that was the Peyton Manning rookie year, Randy Moss rookie year, Um so I have I actually have those like they were at my they were at my dad's house for a long time because I left I left them there um, so I wouldn't you know like in you know Lupe talked about how you know you move and stuff like that and and they just either get lost or you're like you know why am I why am I carrying this shit around you know you just like, get rid of them or whatever um, kind of by I think it probably kind of by accident I think I just left them at my dad's house one time and my dad put them in a closet and. Uh, and held on to them for, you know, 10 years, 15 years. Um, and finally, I actually just picked them up uh, about a month ago. Um, so yeah, I have probably not my entire collection of everything I had, but um, the stuff that I valued when I was 12 years old, I still have a little bit, still have a little bit of that. I mean, I, I, I know the exact cards you're talking about because you got me into those as well. I vividly remember having that set of cards and, and, collecting those and all not i have no idea where they are anymore they are definitely long gone 
Um, but no, it's funny. You, you were actually the one who got me into those. Like I said, uh, when I moved to California in 98, um, the other set that I also collected, I loved star Wars cards. Um, Kenny, do you remember the little store? I think it was on second street across from the post office in Napa. It was a little card collectible store. I know they stole, they stole, I'm sorry. Uh, sold Star Wars cards there. I don't remember if it was sports cards and stuff though, but they had all like the Warhammer and all that kind of stuff in there. And I remember going in there to buy stuff. I think I maybe vaguely remember that. Um, the store that I used to uh, buy from was uh, there's a little there's a little shopping center right across the street from Napa High um, on uh, on Jefferson, and that was where I used to get. I used to get all my stuff. Not there anymore, but um, was it that little train store? Did they sell train sets too? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, that yeah, does ring a bell though. That's where I used to buy everything. Yeah. So Lupe, I assume you've got a bunch of Kings cards or or had a bunch of Kings cards growing up? I had a whole bunch. I had yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah. Too many to count. <laughs> now are you mm -hmm. born and raised Sacramento? No, I was born in Mexico, moved here oh. when I was six. When I was okay. Six. Is, is that is that where your king, fan, fandom of the Kings started? Uh, somewhat. You know, I, I mean, when I moved here, didn't know a whole lot. I mean, soccer was all I knew, you know, of course. Uh, but then I think I gravitated towards basketball just because I, I liked the way they played. I liked the game. I enjoyed it. I remember watching a lot of the Sunday night or Sunday, not Sunday night, but Sunday afternoon games, you know, the NBA and NBC type of games, you know, the prime time matchups. You know, every week it was Jordan to – Malone and the Jazz to the Knicks to whatever, uh, and then, and then I, I think I, at one point I remember watching the Kings. You know, there was this team that was on TV once a week, the same team every every week, the Kings, and I just kind of gravitated towards them because I started to know the players, I started to know the team, I started to just, I just started to like them. And that's mm -hmm. kind of that's how I got into liking the Kings and uh. And yeah, I've been a fan ever since. It's probably since about eight years old. Nice. Who's who's your all-time favorite Kings player? Oh, I mean, I've, I've 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 said this to a lot of the guys. The best player I've ever seen with my own two eyes is Mitch Richmond. I don't care what okay. anybody says. <laughs> not He's not gonna argue that. All time. Uh, my when I was thirteen, maybe twelve, my parents said, "If you make honor roll, we'll buy you whatever you want." I have a one of those uh back in the day jerseys, the champion. The champion made all those jerseys. I got a Mitch Richmond jersey. I still have it. Still in my closet. That's awesome. Still, still there. Now, so what? what's your – now, being a Kings fan has got to be – I mean, being a Warriors fan, it was torment until recently, but that's got to I'm, – I'm impressed you have a full head of hair after watching all their games. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no, I mean, we've definitely been through a whole lot more downswings than upswings, you know. Um, but like I said, just from watching them for so long – and uh, just watching them every, like I said, I watched them every week. It wasn't just where I was watching a different team every 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 week. It was the same team, same players, uh, same voice. You know, Grant Napier. That's why I, that's why my name is Bring Back Grant. For me, when I listen to basketball, I equate it to I, I hear Grant Napier's voice in my head. You know, the players, you know, everything. I just it's it's part of me. It's oddly enough, but it's just you know it's just how I am as a fan. Oh, I get it, man. I, I, being an A's fan, I, Ray Fossey is my A's announcer. I, I totally understand. Uh, what, what's your favorite, like, Kings moment of all time? Uh, 
I mean, definitely the, you know, the Mike Bibby shot at home against the Lakers that one in 2002. That's definitely the one that stands out. Uh, Tyreek Evans, half-court buzzer beater against Memphis uh, so many years ago. That Every time I see that on YouTube, I still get chills down my spine when I, when I see that, when I hear it. I'm but sure there's a probably a top box card you could go find of that. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, I wonder, you know, and suddenly I'm kind of recanting everything I'm thinking. Like, I wonder if those kind of moments, you know, like for you in particular, having that moment might be kind of fun. Maybe I do understand where this is going with. Uh... Oh, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's a marketplace if people are interested and especially when it's something that where you can maybe make money off of, you know, people are going to be all over it. Absolutely. You're yeah. Getting early. So you, you are a season ticket holder, correct? Uh, yes, yes. Yes. So being a, seven or eight years. Oh, nice. So you started over at Arco. Yeah. The three years, the last three years of Arco. Nice. In George, now, in George. Do you live near Arco? Where do you live in Sacramento? I live in Lodi. Oh, Lodi. Okay. Oh, that's a commitment then. That's a drive to go to games. Yeah. How many games would you say you get to a year? Uh, when I was working at Lodi, I would say out of the 41, 43, I was making at least 30. Now that I'm working where I'm working, working nights, I probably only go to 10, 15. You know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. There's that days whole- that I'm off and there's a game. And I think to myself, do I really want to drive to Sacramento to watch them play the Hornets? <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's tough. Well, I'm sure Deshaun would make the drive just to go see his boy LaMelo Ball so he could talk shit to the rest of us Warriors fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Once again, the Deshaun effect comes into the podcast. Um, what, what, are, what are some of the – how do I word this? What are things you would do differently as a kid? Let's put you in Monty McNair's position. What are some things in the past you would have done differently, and what are some things you would do going forward? You know, in the past, I know the Kings have always gotten a bad rap for maybe drafting wrong. I, I've told this to Kenny and Deshaun and some of the other guys in our, in our football chat. I don't know if it's a – scouting problem i think it's more of a player development thing you know because if you go back and look at some of the drafts the draft grades and the draft comments that were made on draft night like a guy like ben mclemore they were comparing him to ray allen that his shot was as clean as could get he was agile you know he, he was a slasher but for whatever reason you know he just didn't pan out the consistency wasn't there and it just it didn't work but if you go back on draft night with a lot of these guys, they had nothing but good things to say. No, I agree. And, and, and more on your point of the scouting, but I, I think it's a lot of those lower level coaching because when I mean, you take a look at like Marvin Bagley, he cannot stay on the court. He's no. always injured. There's something wrong. So it's like, okay, maybe not. So, let's not look at the player. What's his nutrition like? What is his workout regime like? What, what are, what's his conditioning like? And I feel like those lower level positions might be kind of getting overlooked for like the big splash name of Luke Walton, which me personally, I'm, I'm a newer Kings fan. Yeah. I'm not so against Luke Walton. I just feel like it's been a perfect storm of everything working against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So now the biggest, one of the biggest snafus I feel like we should talk about in Kings history was just, was that three years ago now, the uh, the Doncic-Bagley draft. How did you feel about that draft coming out of that, the, the night of the draft? I remember thinking to myself going into that draft, uh, the, the Kings needed, in my opinion, uh, two, two positions. Um, 
a big body down low that could either be an enforcer on the defensive end or just be unstoppable, maybe not unstoppable, but know what he's doing on the offensive end down low or a solid three and D guy. I remember that offseason Julius Randle was a, was a free agent. I thought to myself that they would throw money at him. Then I can say, okay, go get Doncic to be the three and D guy. But obviously he's not a three and D player. He's a point guard, you know, ball in hand um, and do everything from there. But, but I mean, the, the Kings, they, they laid their bed with De'Aaron Fox. I think it worked out with De'Aaron Fox. Obviously he's an all-star caliber player now. He's putting up the numbers anyway. So I think they made the right decision on that. It was just, like you said, you know, Bagley cannot stay on the court. If you can't stay on the court, you know, whatever it may be, the nutrition, injuries, you know, whatever it is, you know, you can't improve. And if you look at it over the past few days, the past few games that they played together, they've actually played pretty well together, Bagley mm-hmm. and Fox. Offensively, absolutely. And I, and I agree to what you were saying. The night of that draft, as let's get something out of the way. None of us saw Luca doing this. No. Let, let, you, I don't care who you are. Yeah. No. And and I kind of equated it to I, I'm gonna throw some football terms in here, but it's like if he was, he would have been number one up here. What was that, Kenny? Sorry, I know we're kind of cutting out a little bit. Now I'm just saying if, if any if anybody knew it's like Patrick Mahomes, it's like Patrick Mahomes thing. If anybody knew that he was gonna be what he is, he would have been the number one overall pick. No, a no-brainer. So it's yeah. I mean again, you're 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 drafting, you're drafting 18, 19, 20 year old kids. You have no idea what they're gonna okay. do, what how they're gonna turn out. Um, you know, so all you can do is try to evaluate the best you can and and hope to get lucky. <laughs> you're you're 100 correct, but and, and so I kind of like back to my I'm gonna do and a quarterback kinda, comparison kinda, here. Sorry, go ahead, Kenny. No, I'm, I, I keep kind of cutting out. I don't know if it's me or who uh, or you or what. Um, no, it's just I think I kind of forgot what I was gonna say now. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I looked at, you know, De'Aaron Fox is a point guard on, on a basketball team. He is the quarterback. The ball needs to be in his hands. He needs to be running the offense. If you draft another point guard, you're taking the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands, and that's his biggest strength is his speed and with his hands in the ball, everything flowing around him. So taking the ball out of his hands would only stunt his growth. So then what are you really doing? I personally dra- draft was in love with Jaron Jackson Jr., I've always been a Michigan state fan. Like if you've played for Tom Izzo, like I'm, you know how to play gritty, hard nosed rebounding defensive basketball. And I always liked him coming out of the draft. I Bagley was, I don't know. Do players just don't really do well. And so I'm, I get a little bit suspect of them being that high in the draft because I think coach K gets so much out of these guys that I don't know much. I don't know how much more room these guys have to grow. No, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think you're right. You know, Duke players haven't always been the best. Uh, you know, they, they get, they get put on a, on a high pedestal just because the program they're coming from, you know, they don't always perform at the, at the, at the NBA level, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think Bagley that year, I think he was the top rated guy, you know, I mean, Aiden, uh, DeAndre Aiden went number one. I think it was just a perfect storm of him being from Arizona, playing at Arizona, Phoenix having the first pick, I think that was just a perfect storm, a perfect marriage for them. And then at the number two spot, I think people would have said that the Kings got the you know best player in the draft. The, the next best player. Yeah. I and mean, even if you go back to those draft night analysis, you're totally right. Everyone was on board with it. Um, you know, the, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give the Kings all the benefit of the doubt in drafts. No, I mean, you can't, you can't. Nick Stauskas was, I was not a yeah. fan of Jimmer Fredette. Yeah. I was not a fan of, um, 
Thomas Robinson was one I was very disappointed. I liked him. I thought he was going to be good out of Kansas. And I don't know what happened with him, but he just didn't work. And he didn't work anywhere else either. So I, I'm not going to pin that fully on the Kings. But, yeah, there have just been some bad luck and bad decisions in there from for, for a long time now. On two of those guys, uh, Thomas Robinson, I remember him in uh, the Summer League. I believe they were trying him out as a point forward. I think they realized that he was a little too undersized to play what they wanted him to play. And they tried him out the point forward and it just did not work out. And then I think from there on, it just, they couldn't find something for him. Uh, the other one, Jimmer Fredette. I think Jimmer Fredette is a product of the Steph Curry. Yeah. Steph Curry comes yeah. in, dribbling here, dribbling there, shooting up threes from 35 feet. That was Jimmer Fredette. You know, same thing. Trey Young, same thing. Uh, but Jimmer Fredette just couldn't. Just couldn't hang on. So I got, I got, I, I, what are your guys' thoughts on Trey Young? I, I have my opinions, but Kenny, I would love to be, being a, a, a married into an Oklahoma guy. What, what are your thoughts on him? I, you know, I, I'm not really sure. Um, I want to like him. You know, he's, he's, you know, obviously been projected as, you know, he's like a step 2.0 kind of thing. Um, now granted, I don't watch a lot of Hawks games. And so I'm not seeing a lot of like local coverage and stuff like that. Um, I just don't see like I don't see like the same charisma that Steph has. You know, Steph Steph is like when he walks in a room, he's he's the dude. He's the dude on the floor. You know, and I just don't get that feeling when I watch Trey Young. Um, I don't know. And then like you know, there's the last few couple weeks. There's been like some stuff like some attitude. He's got some attitude issues. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure. You know, sometimes you know the media can kind of blow things up and and blow things out of proportion uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. But uh, for me, the jury's still out about Trey Young. Um, you know, the Oklahoma thing is whatever. You know, Blake Griffin came out of Oklahoma, and I, I think he's a bitch too. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I, it, the Oklahoma stuff is more football for me. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Trey Young at this point. Lupe, what about you? He's an exciting player. He's an exciting player. I mean, he can shoot from anywhere. Uh, he can play make. Uh, the defensive side, I would like for him to work on that a little bit more. I know Curry, in the beginning of his career, was a little bit the same, but he's worked on it. So, I mean, like, like Kenny said, I think the jury's still out on, him, out on him. He was an all-star last year, you know, so he's doing the right thing on the offensive end, but I think he needs to – he's got time to put it all together. He's still young. Yeah, he's also got to put some weight on too. He is slight. Yeah, he's he's, he's small. Uh, and oh, that's yeah. what, Kenny. I'm glad you brought up Curry, and that's one thing I've noticed watching Curry this year. I think Curry's probably pe- playing at like 200 to 205 pounds. He's, he looks he's bigger. Bigger, yeah. He looks a lot bigger now. He's a uh, yeah. It, it's it's weird. He 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 looks like he's put on you know probably 10, 10 pounds of muscle. He looks a lot bigger on the floor now, and. Um, Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that'll, you know, when, he, when he's uh, slashing the hoop, maybe, you know, that, that little bit of extra strength. Uh, uh, when you, and you bring up a very good point there. And one thing I've noticed this year is that he can just drive by guys this year. I feel like in the past, he's kind of had to use a little bit of the razzle dazzle, get his handles going and get guys off balance. Where this year I've noticed him just go straight down the lane and put up a layup. And I, I've just not seen that out of him before. And it's good to see. Um, I, I, I wonder if Trey can kind of take notes on being like, all right, maybe 180 pounds is not going to cut it. And especially Lupe, you talk about on the defensive end, 
you're playing against a guy in a, at 180 pounds, anyone's going to walk through him. You, you, okay. You're not going to be able to play defense. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, yeah. So what, uh, Lupe, what would you consider a successful year this year for the Kings? Uh, battling for that, you know, those final two spots, I think, you know, with the playoff being expanded to extra two teams, I think, or maybe an extra one. It's 10. Yeah. Okay. I think if you, if you're in there, at least battle for it. You know, that's what, that was the expectation last year. They fell short. I think if they if they battle for those and they just fall fall short of it again, I think I'll, I'll be okay with it. But as a fan, you know, if I, I keep hearing about the draft being a deep draft this year, so if they were to fall out, get in the lottery, top ten pick, I probably wouldn't be too mad. Uh, I think Luke Walton's job would not be safe if that was the case. I think Luke Walton needs to get close to the playoffs as close as he can get to keep his job, but. But I mean, I, you know, I'm an I'm an optimistic guy. I just want them to improve on the court. You know, the the last few games, I mean, the last seven games, seven last in a row, have just not looked. They haven't looked great. Yeah, what yeah. what has happened? They went from a seven yeah. and one stretch to an zero oh and seven stretch. No, they do that. Weird. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's just it's like the Kings. Oh man! Like as soon as you start to believe that maybe they're turning a corner, then they they lose for two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit, I never understood the Kangs thing, and I absolutely totally understand the Kangs thing now. That's like, I just don't understand it. Yeah. I think if they flirt with 500, I'll be happy. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to take a little bit. The Western Conference is an absolute nightmare. And personally, as a Warriors fan, I need Minnesota to start winning games. So, because I want that number oh, yeah. four pick. <laughs> uh yeah no it's uh it's gonna be interesting do you think they're gonna allow fans back in at the tail end of this year what what do you think is gonna happen there lupe you know what i don't know i haven't heard a whole lot i'm not sure i mean um just from being a season ticket holder i know they they've already postponed my everything for next year so in terms of this year i'm i'm okay i probably i probably wouldn't go to any games anyway to be honest just to be on the safe side you know yeah Give, give it a give it a little bit. Wait till next year, but or I mean, buy the tickets and flip them. <laughs> yeah, that, too. that too. But I mean, obviously, you know, we all hope we all hope for for uh, everything to open up so we can go. You know, we're all dying to watch the games in, in, mm-hmm. in person. So oh, so am I. Now, and and it's funny you bring that up. What so do you guys recall the last game, last sporting event? Because I mean, I was good for usually throughout the year at least one sporting event a month between basketball, baseball, and the occasional random football game. Lupe, what's the last game you remember going to last year? You know, I don't even remember, Neil. It's been, it's been so long. I would have to look at the schedule, but I don't remember off the top of my head which game, which was the last game that I went to. All right. Jo- Jones, you, you recall any? Well, yeah. So I know we, we were kind of, I heard, I heard, I was listening to the uh, Tom Tolbert show on KNBR the other afternoon, which is kind of weird because I never listen to live radio anymore. I'm always, I'm on podcasts pretty much all the time, but uh, I had a little segment or that wasn't a segment, but one of the guys is like, do you remember the last sporting event you went to? And I was, I couldn't remember. I knew it was a Kings game. And I, so I, you know, that's when I text, I messaged you. Like I knew it was a Kings game. I went with Neil to a Kings game. Couldn't really remember when it was. And I think, I think we narrowed it down. I think it was February 7th. It was a Friday night game against the Heat. And the Kings won, I believe it was 102 to 97. And I think the only re- reason I remembered that is because I bet on the over, of course, which, you know, which was a dead under game. No, there's no surprise <laughs> there. Uh, but, uh, 
but yeah, I remember that's um, pretty sure that was the game we went to. And uh, yeah, it just seems so weird that it's been over a year, you know, it's over a year since I went to a, went to a game, which is like, you know, I, yeah. I, I think we're about three weeks out from a calendar year. To, to me, the, I mean, granted, we had the coronavirus in here prior to that, but it's, it's March 17th to me that the, the, the shutdown really happened, as I recall. I, I remember I was, I had an eight, I think I went to eight of nine home games for the Kings, and I was actually at the game against the Pelicans that they shut yeah. down and didn't come out on the court, uh, which in hindsight was an absolutely terrible decision by the Kings. Let's pack 50,000 people in here. Oh, wait, never mind. No game. Uh, I digress on that, though. But yeah, no, I mean, this has been the longest I've ever gone without going to any kind of sporting events, football, basketball, baseball included. I definitely cannot wait to go back to any kind of sporting event. Mm-hmm. Is baseball allowing fans in or some states only? Yeah, I think I think some states are going to allow it. Like, you know, because even in the World Series last year, when the World Series was held in Texas, they had, they allow, we're allowing like 25% capacity or something like that. They had like seven or 8,000 fans, I think. Um, I think it, it all, it's going to come down to the state. So obviously like Texas, Arizona, Florida, they're, they're kind of the, on the forefront of allowing people back. Um, from what I've read, it sounds like maybe the second half of the <laughs> baseball season, California, um, maybe, uh, Allowing fans back, at least that's for San Francisco, uh, from what I've read. I'm not really sure about the uh, the teams down south, but um, but yeah, that'd be fun if they did. Um, you know, I'd I'd at least consider I'd at least consider maybe trying to go to a game. You know, who knows what like the the ticket prices and stuff like that are going to be with with uh, limited capacity. But yeah, but uh, but I definitely would consider it for sure. For sure. Absolutely. I would, I would love to go to a river cats game and just sit out in the outfield and drink some beers. Nothing, especially looking outside, nothing sounds better than that right now. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful day. Nice day. Uh, yeah. God, at least, at least we got that going for us now. Speaking of baseball, we've had some fun interactions the past couple of weeks. Uh, but the most quick, you know, interesting one to me has been this Fernando Tatis uh, situation. Kenny, you want to f- fill us in on that one? Yeah, so Tatis, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. signed a 14-year deal for 340 million bucks. Um, awesome, you know, on the surface, sounds like an awesome. Well, it's really an awesome deal for the Padres. Um, I feel like if Tatis would have, uh, you know, went through the, uh, if he was able to grind out the next few years, and you know, it, it's hard to fault a 19-year-old or eight, 20-year-old kid, 21 maybe, 21, uh, for signing a 340 million dollar contract. Um, but I feel like if he might have held out for arbitration and, and maybe a contract after that, he probably could have gotten uh, quite a bit more. But who knows? Um, but the, the kind of caveat to the whole to the whole contract signing is uh, is in 2017, I believe uh, Tatis uh, signed a contract or entered into a contract with Big League Advance, which is a company that essentially fronts uh, fronts play like potential or you know, high, high, up, high profile players. They, they front them uh, money in advance for a portion of their future earnings. Oh, shit. So, so in this case, 
um, this company, Big League Advance, they, uh, and I, it sounds like they had, they had a, uh, they had a rating system for all these players and Tatis was really high in their rating system, a lot higher than other like scouting systems had Tatis. So they, they felt like they were making, um, you know, a calculated risk on their part by offering, you know, X amount of dollars. Now the details are, are, aren't, I don't think the, the full details are out, um, but, uh, you know, they, they offered X amount of dollars for X amount of uh, Jesus' future earnings. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, obviously there's some risk that goes into, uh, you know, doing that. Cause if a player doesn't, if a play, and it sounds like from what I've read that they were offering this money and if a player didn't pan out, they didn't have to pay it back. Um, but in Tatis's case, you know, he's one of the top it panned out. Young, yeah. Panned out. He's one of the top young stars in the game. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, they're going to be making uh, quite a bit of money. It sounds like, and obviously, I guess mentioned before, there's quite a, you know, there's a lot of risk in the, into that, you know, um, on, you know, but worst it's a, it's a very like predatory type system that. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, you just kind of got to hit once and it works now. So, is is the big league advance? Are they taking money from this just this contract, or 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 is this for his lifetime? No, it's for for all future earnings in Major League Baseball, from what I can uh, from what I've uh, read. So it's not just it's not now. Granted, a fourteen year contract, um, you know, the Tatis will be thirty five at the end of the contract. So there may he may be you know he may get another two, three, maybe four years, depending on uh, his health at that point. You know, so that it's not even, you know, they're not even done making money, most likely. Um, and obviously, Tatis is the is the highest profile one. There's there's others that we don't know about, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, we may hear about them in the future, but it's, uh, it's pretty crazy that that, uh, you know, it's like, oh, here, take uh, take five hundred thousand bucks and, you know, you'll owe us thirty four million by the end of uh, by the end of it. It's, it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, it's, it's just there's some things that just don't add up to me. Like the first, like first of all, to get the money, because I, I think what he said was he bet on himself. So I, I believe he got what, what? Where is it? I have it here. He hired a personal trainer. He wanted to eat better, so he hired a chef, got a better apartment, and used the money to upgrade his training regimen, not only in the U.S. but a practice field in his native Dominican Republic, which I am all for. Like setting yourself up for success and doing all that like i completely support him on but the two things that stand out to me was he signed a seven hundred thousand dollar signed with the white Sox and got a seven hundred thousand dollar signing bonus that's a lot of money even if you take out taxes and also like his dad was a professional baseball player like again i don't know financials but i would just guess that there would be some money and some and even if not if it's not financial but like his dad at least has contacts to put his kid in the right situation for this kind of success. Those are just very interesting aspects that no one's really talking about yet. Um, this is still kind of new, but I mean, I guess this is a win-win, but it feels like it was a lucky win-win, not a legitimate win-win. I don't know. Lupe, what, uh, what do you think about all that? That's a lot of money, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, like you said, you know, if you're 20 years old, somebody's throwing that kind of money at you. You kind of right. just forget about everything else and just just see the dollar signs, you know. 
yeah, what what were we doing at 19, 20, 21? Exactly. I'd rather not have that conversation. Exactly. You know, it was crazy. You know, it's kind of like uh, you know, kind of like I mentioned earlier, like with the with the top shot, you know, it's like basically like Bitcoin for sports memorabilia. This is, you know, this is kind of like buying stock in in players. That's exactly what they're doing. They're buying, yeah. they're buying shares, they're buying shares of Fernando Tatis, or they did. And uh, you know, and now it's now it's Tesla stock where it's just skyrocketed kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Pretty, Makes it's, sense. Uh, it's pretty, pretty wild though. And, you know, and, and I hope Tatis does well. I know having a Dominican or even just a Hispanic background in the San Diego and Southern California area, he's going to have, I remember when uh, Adrian Gonzalez was down with the Padres, he was a God down there. He was also a totally awesome guy too. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad the Padres finally have, a reason to cheer as an ace fan i would like that but i'm glad they're you know building up and they've got a squad down there right now i think the between the dodgers and the Padres, aren't they the two favorites in baseball right now jones uh in the national league they are okay uh the dodgers are the dodgers are the, sl are the, are the slight favorite over uh the padres to win the national league um the yankees i believe are still mm. the uh odds favorites odds. to win the world series yeah Man, a Padres Dodgers NLCS would be awesome. Yeah, it really would be. I mean, those are the, the right as of right now, those are the two best teams on paper. That would be fun to watch. Yeah, I wish uh, they could. Both well, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I never, I never want the Angels to do well either as a as a A's fan. Um, well, yeah, I think, uh, gentlemen, I think we've kind of touched on all of our topics for this podcast. Anything else you want to? Add in there, Lupe, what do you got going on the rest of this week? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, my wife's birthday is tomorrow. I'm going to be heading out to Reno nice. on Friday. Oh, nice. Huh. That's, that's funny. Sam, Sam's, birthday, Sam's birthday is tomorrow, too. That's pretty okay. funny. Yeah. Well, I'll see you at Reno then. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Kenny's had good uh, luck in Reno trust recently. Me, trust me, I'd much rather. Yeah, I was just at the Pepper Mill uh, for the Super Bowl and had a, had a pretty damn good time. It was good. <laughs> experience overall so uh but yeah awesome have fun good luck hope you make some money and uh hope the, hope, hope the wife hope the wife is uh is happy too yeah pa pass on uh pass on the happy birthday to both the wives from us here at the uh monstars yeah. basketball league and uh mm -hmm. yeah gentlemen it's been a good talk and we will uh we'll do this again soon oh for sure all right all right signing all right. off see you guys